to help out other areas. And it's like we thank God for you is really the phrase that we see in the Bible. It's not thank you for doing it, but we thank God for you. We as Christians can't get around God when it gets to the subject of giving thanks. He is always part of it all. We have had, uh, again, a lot of folks that are going through a lot of hardships physically. Uh, this week at the hospital, we've got Cheryl Howie. She's up with her, I think her mom right now. Ann Sowers, hardships with her shoulder. We've got Sheila Regal in the hospital. We've got those who are battling the cancer and everything. And, and we're coming as Christians and say, through the negativities, even the physical hardships in our life, we can still stop and say, God, thank you. And you say, well, it seems like a, um, you know, just a, a look at, at what we're going through and, and trying to see it optimistically, and yet some of the news that we have is, is very negative, and it's a lot of pain. And how can we as Christians stop and say, in everything, everything, give thanks? Even in the book of Acts, we see those men that were persecuted early on in the church and they left the persecution thanking God, glorifying God for they themselves being worthy to go through this persecution for for Jesus Christ. That's hard for us to wrap our brain around how we can be so thankful when negative things happen. But I'll admit, this week, I didn't always give thanks. Matter of fact, you know, when I bumped my head, somebody said, what did you do to your forehead? Well, bald people can't hide bruises to the head. Okay? I can't. I don't have comb air, you know, to comb over these cuts, you know. And the head, you know, I just poked it with. And trust me, when I poked it with this screw in, in my head, I was not saying praise the Lord and thank you right away. I wasn't. Matter of fact, I said, ouch, that hurt. And nobody was around to help. I was kind of by myself. Why is it you know, we all, always stop and say thank you? Well, in the long run, these negative things that happen to us, we stop and we realize the yeah, accidents do happen. And we get a flat tire. We don't always stop and say thank you, Lord, for the flat tire. And thank you that it's raining and it's muddy while I'm changing my tire and the car went by, didn't slow down, and splashed me while I was changing my tire in the rain and the mud. And we, it just kind of builds up, and then the emotions get there, and we forget that thankful part that we're supposed to have. I remember an old-timer said, you know, I've learned even in those times that you get a flat tire, we have to stop and say thanks, because who knows what the Lord was protecting us from had we continued driving down the road. Maybe there was something that God was protecting me from. So that's how we look at it. Nothing happens by accident. God, God is in control of our lives. And so we thank Him for it all. This text that we've chosen to read, I like to read verse 15, and I'd like to go to the Psalms and read some Psalms together today. Verse 15 of Hebrews 13 again says, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How oft? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Turn back with me to the Psalms. Keep your finger there. 
We're going to go to Psalm 69 first. I would love to park here for a while, but uh, just to let you know while you're turning there, Psalm 69 is a very precious psalm because it is a messianic psalm talking about the first time Jesus came to this earth and the, and the prophecies in this particular psalm about the sufferings of Christ. So maybe in your free time this week, sit and read Psalm 69 and see how many places you can see that descriptions of Jesus Christ. Uh, let me just give you a for instance. Verse 21 says, They gave me also gall for my meat. In my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Remember that on the cross? There's a messianic psalm, and it's all through this particular one. But we're going to read verses 30 and 31. I will praise the name of God with a song, and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord, now notice this, better than an ox or a bullock that hath horns and hooves. In other words, the thought is that they being sacrificed, that those words that come out of our mouth, as God is listening, He prefers that which comes from our praise and thanksgiving over that which is sacrificed. Look over also to 116 of Psalms. Chapter 116 and verse 17 here. Psalm 116 and verse 17. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. And then probably just over one more page to 119, Psalm 119, and maybe a couple pages to verse 108. You'll see this this, uh, theme going on in the Psalms, and it says in verse 108, Except I beseech thee the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. As many of you know, Psalm 119, each verse is going to be talking about the Word of God one way or another, whether by commandments or judgments or precepts. And here, this judgments, the words of our God, he says again, except as though I am offering these up to you, which is a free will, it is done because I want to, Lord, from my mouth, a thankfulness for what you have done. It's an offering that comes, proceeds out of our mouth. Look at Hosea also with me. Hosea in chapter 14 and verse number 2. Take with you words and turn to the Lord, say unto him, take away all my iniquity and receive us graciously, so will we render the calves of our lips, the offerings again of praise. Have we made our point? Over and over again, you say, you know, this thing of thanksgiving isn't really exciting. You know, we read these psalms and it's like, yeah, 
and we thank God and we talk to him and we say, Lord, we love you, we praise you, thank you for everything, amen, and we move on. This, isn't a, this message is not a, as much about you and I understanding as it is to understand the heart of our God with what is being said. To you and I, this whole thing of thanksgiving seems to be very, well, it's a point. It's, it's one of these things where, yes, we do it, and we want to always give thanks. But it's not like a pep rally. It's not maybe in our minds the most exciting thing that we do as Christians, but we're not talking about us today. Our God in heaven is waiting for it from us. Our God in heaven deserves it from us. Our God is disappointed when we forget to give thanks. Our God is waiting for this because as He is viewing this, He is viewing this as though those Old Testament sacrifices, as they were being burnt, and that that smoke was ascending up to heaven, It's symbolic of those beautiful prayers and God is taking it as He says a sweet smell to Him. God says that sacrifice of those animals, He was pleased with those. He now compares that sacrifice to what we do as Christians in just doing one thing with our mouth, saying, God, thank you. He takes that as something that is coming up to Him and is a sweet smell. Because when we give thanks, we have remembered Him. When we forget to say thanks, we have neglected our God and have not given the credit to Him because He has done it. I will admit I'm the first one that I forget to say thanks. If I thank the Lord for my wife. Because if you get a note from me, she wrote it. <laughs> you know, she's just good with the cards. You know, me, I'm not a writer. Uh, if, if I were the Apostle Paul, the New Testament still wouldn't be done. You know what I'm saying? I am not a writer. It's hard for me to put, if I get, you get an email from me, it's usually about a sentence or two. I am not a writer. I don't develop my, I talk. This, this is what I do, yeah. And so, so that, that, that's who I am. But my wife, man, she's the one. She's like, oh, we need to send a note. Thank you for, for so-and-so, for what they did. And she's all over that. And sometimes we can forget, especially we guys. And we, we forget to do that sometimes. And I'll have to put my hand up that I don't recognize and thank people enough for their work, for their efforts of what they have done. But uh, trust me, when I say I appreciate and it is noticed even though we don't always verbally say it. But our God is waiting for this. Matter of fact, I, I, uh, I was thinking about this as I was preparing a message. I was thinking, you know, as Christians, we, we're, kind of, we're kind of strange with this whole thing of recognition and, 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 and receiving thanks. Because sometimes we think, I don't want you to thank me because it's almost like I'm doing it for that reason. You know what I mean? And then, but if you don't get thanked, then it's just like, oh, they didn't appreciate it. So which are we supposed to do? Say thanks or not say thanks? If we say thanks, then you're at, upset because then you lost your reward in heaven, you think? And if you don't say thanks, then they didn't notice it. I'm so, still trying to wrap my brain around this one. The thanks always has to be openly and to our God, whether in private 
or here as a church family, we give thanks. We give thanks for what he has done. Back to our text of Hebrews 13. The first two words, you will probably miss them. Because we're zeroing in on the thanksgiving part, the sacrifice part of it all. And I want you to notice the first two words, by him. In other words, if we didn't have that phrase, we wouldn't have access to God in order to give thanks in the first place. You follow me? Book of Hebrews. Uh, matter of fact, many of you are saying, well, weren't you supposed to like, preach this next Sunday night? I would be, but we're going to hand handle it here instead. Because this is right where we're at in Hebrews 13 on Sunday nights. So in the text, we're talking about our God who has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, and He is comparing the Old Testament physical sacrifices, the high priests in the Old Testament, all those things that were done are compared to the real thing, which is Jesus Christ who took care of the spiritual needs of the world. In this text, Jesus Christ is our altar. He is the one who was the Lamb of God. He is the one who shed his precious blood. We talked about this, I guess last Sunday night, how Jesus Christ was taken outside of the camp, taken out as a despised, rejected, horrible, in their mind, horrible sinner who was worthless, and Jesus Christ was taken out and dies on Calvary without the camp. Because he is the one that God says is taking the sin of the entire world upon us. And that's why he was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows. Because he died taking on all of our sin. And that's that point. He died without. So all of this sacrifice, all that Jesus Christ went through, is the one that by him we are able to communicate to God to even give Him thanks and also to have purpose for giving our God thanks by Him. There are a lot of misunderstandings about how we have access as man to God. There are many that have created altars as though the altar is needed to access God. Some will go into the wilderness. They'll go out in the woods. They'll go up in the mountain. They'll go that separated as though they can get a hold of God better there. Or they may think that my, my, my first, the first church we were at, we never locked the doors. We never had to. Okay? Nowadays, you have to have secure cameras and everything else because they're trying to bust in the windows and everything around here. Crazy. But anyways, so we had it open. People would come up to us and say, we just want to go inside the church and we just want to pray. And that's a good thing. But you have to follow me. We don't need a building to talk to God. We don't need trees and rocks and a mountain and separated to talk to God. We don't have to have something physical, tangible to be able to access God. There's only one thing we need, and it's Jesus Christ. That's it. We have one God. One mediator between God and man. It is the man, Christ Jesus. So this week, you know, we're up talking to Miss Shirley, 
Stan's wife, she's in the hospital. We've been praying for her all week. And as we were there in the hospital, God was hearing the prayer. We didn't have to come back to church to pray for Shirley there. You know what I'm saying? Wherever we are at, we have a, a bridge, a door, a passage to our God. And it is by Him. It's through Jesus Christ. So this one, Jesus Christ, by Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How often? Continually. That thought of pray without ceasing. That thought of coming to God with an open attitude. This is one of the things I've been working on in my, my prayer life over the last couple of weeks. Is, you know, we, we think of the prayer time in the morning, and a lot of times people pray right before they go to sleep at night, and that's a good thing. Uh, Daniel was three times a day. Uh, do, do you think, though, that Daniel was limited to prayer three times a day? You follow me? That was just that dedicated time of that serious, if you will, prayer time, separated for that purpose. But folks, we as Christians are to be in the attitude of prayer all the time. And so as I'm out walking, I'm doing some things outside, I'm stopping, I'm trying to say, Carl, you need to talk. And so you talk to God. We, we have to remind ourselves to do this. And the more we do this, the more we are open to listening to Him. And this is a continual thing, and God compares it to sacrifice. Look with me to the Old Testament for a moment, to the book of First Chronicles. That's right before Second Chronicles. And we're looking at chapter 29, the last chapter. First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, okay. Chapter 29. The text uh, that is that we are seeing here is it's about to time for David to yield up his position as king and his son Solomon is coming on to the scene. And as he is, they determine to do something very special. We're starting in verse 20. And David said to all the congregation, Now, bless the Lord your God. Now, let's stop right there and think about that. Bless God. Blessing God. What does that mean? What do we mean by the word bless? Isn't God supposed to be the one that blesses us? You know? And when we think of that, that means God's going to be doing good things for us. That's how we think of the word bless. But the word bless means to speak good words over. To speak good words about them. The children were brought to Jesus for Jesus to bless the children. And it was that thought of speaking good words over them and, and uh, prayer for them. I'm sure I'd love to have heard Jesus' prayer for the children. And as he began to bless them, the thought is that we begin to speak good words about our God. How good he is. How gracious he is. How he is a provider. The list goes on. And they begin to bless God. And all the congregation blessed the Lord God of their fathers, bowed down their heads. That's why we do. There were times here that they physically would do that. It's a thought of humility. Worship the Lord and the King. And they sacrificed sacrifices unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord. On the morrow after that day, even, now notice this, a thousand 
bullocks, a thousand rams, a thousand lambs with their drink offerings and sacrifices in abundance for all Israel. They did eat and drink before the Lord on that day with great gladness. And they made Solomon, the son of David, king the second time, and anointed him unto the Lord to the chief governor and Zadok to be priest. Solomon sat on the throne, the Lord is king, instead of David his father, and prospered. And all Israel obeyed him. All the princes, the mighty men, all the sons likewise of King David submitted themselves unto Solomon the king. And the Lord magnified Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel and bestowed upon him such royal majesty as had not been on any king. Now thought of that. Think about that. Even David himself had not been on any king before him in Israel. What a solemn day this was. These people have been with David for these 40 years. And they have followed him. And now his son is taking over. And they are looking at the son. And David gets off of his throne. And Solomon goes there. Other siblings wanted the job. But they yielded to him. All the mighty men, the warriors, said, This is now the king. Those who love to dig into the symbolisms, there is something that's very powerful that happens in this transition. Under King David, it's a picture of Jesus Christ as he came the first time. Solomon is a picture of when Jesus comes to this earth the next time. Because it was not a time of war, it was a time of peace. Selah. It was a time of rest. And the next time that Jesus Christ comes back, and He is sitting upon the throne of David, it will be a time, as Isaiah talks about, a time of peace. It's not the time of the wars and the battles as we know it under the life of David. David was the persecuted one. Without a cause, he was hunted down. The list goes on of the comparisons between these two. And now, as he comes on, these people decide to bring literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of animals to be sacrificed. God was watching these animals, these lambs, these calves, everything, their lives being taken. And all of this was symbolic of the one body that God was looking forward to, and that was the body of Jesus Christ. This sacrifice was a beautiful picture of the real one that was going to come. And so at that time, God was somewhat pleased. Now follow me on this. But when Jesus Christ came, God the Father was totally pleased. Now let's look at Hebrews to help us to see what is God trying to say for you and I. Hebrews 13. By Him, that is Jesus Christ, the one who sacrificed, that God was totally pleased with Him, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, what we say, the verbal communication, not to each other, but in each other's presence, about our God, that it becomes something that God says is a sacrifice And secondly, that it is a fruit 
something that's produced from our lips. And what we are doing is giving thanks to his name. Sometimes um, we hear the guys in sports, you know, they just did something great. And uh, as they're being interviewed, sometimes you'll hear them say, well, first of all, I want to thank my God. And then I'm thankful for the coaches, and they go through the whole list of everybody that's, you know, the team and everything that goes on. It's interesting how publicly, and you know, you you ever notice how the media reacts to that? They don't. They don't want to talk about that. Uh, This thanks that we have for God is something that the world looks at as, why would you do that? But to you and I, it is something that we want to do no matter who doesn't like it. No matter who says, don't talk about that name. I don't want to hear his name. It's like a conviction, I guess. And we're not ashamed to mention Jesus Christ. A name. Yeah, I know a lot of you, you know, uh, we can't put our trust in man. Because man changes, his character changes, everything changes about a man. But our God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, never, ever changes. I think that's why in the scriptures, Man doesn't thank man. They thank God. It's been weird for me. You know, I, m- many of you know how big of a Penn State fan I've been. And I've talked about the character of, of Joe Pa. And I've talked about Sandusky so many times. I mean, that guy and his coaching abilities and what he did with linebacker U and everything, those were sports fans. It's amazing. And yet again, what we see on the outward of man and what really is going on inside of the hearts of man are two different things. I care less about sports because sports isn't eternal. We have fun with it, and I know that. I'll admit it's very hard for me to watch any sports right now. That really bugged me. It really did because I looked at at a man that I believed had real character in the whole 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 department, and it really bothered me. I found myself praying for the situation it was It was that effective because this has been my sister works there, you know she's high up in the ranks there at Penn State, and she talked to Lori the other day she goes, "This place is an absolute mess, all pending on a couple of men and questionable character. You know, I saw and thought about that. This is leading me into the next point, by the way. Isn't it amazing how something negative that happens to an individual reflects on the whole? And I thought, what if one of the deacons, the trustees, the pastoral staff, you fell 
in some type of a sin that would reflect on the whole. How quickly the same thing can happen in Christianity. As Christians, we understand that our trust and our faith is not in man. It is in God. God can change the character of man. Change them from the inside out. Are we perfect? Not until heaven. Not until we drop this sinful flesh. That's when it's going to all change. But folks, God still wants us to have a sacrifice, not just that we talk about God and praise God, but the next verse says, what we do also is part of this whole sacrifice. Look at verse 16. But to do good and to communicate, the thought of communicate is to to help others, to be there for them, don't forget or forget not. For with such sacrifices, this is the thought, God is well pleased. Just like as he looks at his son, God is totally pleased with that. That God is pleased, now follow me, when we say it, God thank you, but also when we live it out. Not, now follow me, the easiest thing for us as Christians to do is to talk it. We memorize the verbiage, we say it, but then when we do it. And by the way, including this preacher, if you were around me enough, or if I were around you enough, we would let each other down. God never will. But as best as we can, we are to do good and to communicate to everybody else. The word communicate is to to help, to be there, literally to give. In other words, if there was a need, it's that James 2 principle, you find out somebody is starving to death, and you say, pray for you, and you didn't give them any bread or anything to eat, they're still starving to death, have you helped them? The answer is, no. So that's that thought of doing good. And so as best as we can, and I keep, did I mention the best as we can? Because remember, we're not the Lord, we're not omnipresent, nor are we all powerful. But we do what we can where we're at to minister to the people that we are around, that we begin to do that. And God says then, as a result of that, I am absolutely well pleased with that type of a sacrifice as you have given and as you have, have, have done good. You know, the world looks at at Christianity as those who do good, good doers. They're helping, they're community-minded, we need to be those things. And sometimes what they can do is get a little confused with the do-gooding. Okay? Because they begin to think, well, we're going to look at heaven, and we're going to say people that go to heaven are those who do good. He never said that in the text. Matter of fact, it can be very confusing because, I mean, Anheuser-Busch even will try to give some money away and do good for community. You know, those who are ruining their lives through gambling, the gambling community will still give back to the senior citizens. That's a do-gooder. So we justify doing bad by doing something good, and that's totally confusing. That's not biblical at all. 
there is a standard that we have that says what good is. Actions are. If you don't know this, I'm going to give you where you're going to find this. A book that really wraps around works and what we are to do as Christians. Guess what book it is? Don't, don't say it out loud. It's the book of Titus. The book of Titus is all about works and what we as Christians are to do and what God expects of us. It's not the expectations of man. It's not the expectations of the world. It's what God expects of us. See the difference? And so we stop and we say, Lord, I believe this is what you are expecting of me, so therefore this is, this is what I'm, I'm going to do. So the standard by our works, what we do, is the standard of God's word, of what he is expecting. And therefore God says, that is because you have complied to what I want, I am well pleased. You see, sacrifices of animals, they even knew, God even knew, shall cease. But the sacrifice of praise will never cease. Giving thanks is what we are to do. God looks at this as a sacrifice that is well-pleasing in His sight. To give thanks literally means to confess, to acknowledge. And what we are doing is confessing to God, Lord, without You, I could never have done this. Lord, if, if You weren't on my side, I would have been powerless. Confession that comes from man. Can, you, know, you know, when we talk about how man talks to each other and the, and the confession of man, well, this, this can be looked at as, as something that's very limited. It's just like we can talk about man and say, yeah, we thank the Lord for this guy, but, but he's limited. But when we begin to, to talk about our God, we can never exaggerate what our God has done because he is all-powerful. Everything comes from him. It is by him. It is through him. He is all in all. We are nothing without him. All strength of the Spirit of God inside of us. We are able to do all things through Christ because he strengthens us. We begin to say, God, I am so glad you're part of my life, enabling me. You can't parent without him. You can't teach without him. You can't pray without him. You can't even understand the Bible without Him. He is everything. And it is then when we stop and we say, God, I can't because I'm nothing but a little bit of dirt that's brought together, and that's what I'm going to return to someday. That's what I am. And yet our God has enabled us. He enabled us to praise Him. He enables us to do good. He gives us the strength that we can help, we can distribute, we can have a, a fellowship. This is what God looks at as realistic sacrifices. Romans 12, he tells us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice that is holy, that is acceptable unto God, and this is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This sacrifice that God is looking at is something that is a living sacrifice. You say, that doesn't make sense to me. That's God's point. Sacrifice means death, right? And God is saying, living so we are taking up our crosses and we are dying to ourselves. We are alive and yet we're dead to me. We're dead to the world. We're dead to all of these things. And God says, that's the sacrifice that is well-pleasing to me. 
And with that sacrifice, He now says to us again, He's not wanting us to die, but He wants us to be alive, sacrificing, thanksgiving in front of anybody to worship Him. And when we do, when we confess Him, His name before man, He says, I will then as a result confess Your name before my Father in heaven. And God says, I'm listening. That's, that's, isn't this what it's about? God is in heaven, just his, his ear is open and listening to what we're talking about. He's listening, are you talking about me? Or have you forgotten me today? Have you confessed me and praised me today? And when we do, God says, mm, 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 I love that. He looks at what we do and how we're ministering to each other. And God says, that's a sacrifice. Boy, am I pleased with that child of mine. You see, it's not about you and I and this whole thing of how exciting or not Thanksgiving is. It's about how God is excited about what we are doing in this area. If there is a way that we can testify of our God, it is when we are going through the hardships of life. And we give thanks to God that we still talk about Him. That we still say, He's strengthening me. It is a way for us to witness to each other as well as the world. So what trouble were you going through? How many of them are you going through? What burdens do you have? Have you applied this thought in everything, whether win or lose, no matter what's going on, I will praise Him. I will thank Him, because God is still good, whether it turns out my way or not. God is still good. And then as a result of that, I will perform the right thing. I will do the right thing, because God also, as He looks at that sacrifice, God says, I am well pleased. But what you have to remember is that's not what gets you into heaven. Jesus Christ is what gets you to heaven. Jesus Christ is our priest, the one we have as the mediator between ourselves and God. Without Him, we're nothing. So that's why He starts this whole thing out with, by Him. So we have to get this whole concept down. And when we do, it is just like a 350 engine. It's just purring just right. And you can just hear it. And you just say, man, this is what God is waiting. All the cylinders are just right. We're going through Christ. We're thanking Him. We're doing the right thing. And God says, I'll accept that. Lord, we give you thanks for all things. We thank you for our salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you have created a way that we would have access to you through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you, are here, you hear our prayers through Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, as we come to you, we do wonder if we really, with our mouth, praise you enough. I think all of us in this room, even as a church, we would say we fail. So, Lord, help us, work in us, that we will be a church with our lips, with our mouths, perform this, the sacrifice of praise, that you will be pleased. 
and how we work and minister to each other to do good, to communicate, to help. Help us, Lord, to always grow in this. Now, Lord, if there are some here that have been trying to do good to get themselves into heaven, Lord, they have learned today that that will fail, that only through Jesus Christ can we ever have salvation. Lord, may they believe in you, call on you as their Savior today. Lord, thank you so much for what you'll do. Bless this brief invitation. It is yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.